This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Change is movement, and in order to create change, there has to be both internal and external movement in the body. As our bodies carry us through life, becoming curious about our relationship to ourselves, sensations and feelings that arise within us moment to moment can help us become more aware of the information we hold internally. Dance was something that always resonated with Rebecca. Moving and being creative helped her process much of her life. Throughout the last year, there's been collective trauma that has greatly impacted our everyday life, our ability to express and specifically our movement. Routines, normalcy, and connection have been altered in such a way that Rebecca feels there is a need for reconnection, starting with ourselves. Valeria interviews Rebecca Love, LCAT, BCDMT-RYT. She received her Master of Science from Pratt Institute in Brooklyn, New York. She is board certified with the American Dance Movement Therapy Association and a licensed creative arts therapist, as well as a certified yoga teacher. She received her BA in Dance and Psychology from Hunter College in New York City. She recently completed her one-year Psychodynamic Psychotherapy Certificate at the National Psychological Association for Psychoanalysis where she was continuing her studies. Her experience includes work with a wide range of clientele, including clients suffering from trauma, racial trauma among the BIPOC community, anxiety, depression, and other mood disorders, addiction, children with special needs, the geriatric population, and LGBTQ plus elders. After working in more traditional mental health settings, Rebecca opened her own practice, Holistically Whole Creative Art Psychotherapy in early 2021, as she felt the need to provide safe healing spaces for the BIPOC community. She currently offers individual and group therapy sessions remotely. In addition to her clinical work, Rebecca was an on-site internship supervisor for Pratt Institute students, studying creative arts therapy for several years, and now is a visiting professor in the creative arts program. Meet Rebecca at holisticallywholecreativepsychotherapy.com. Here's the interview with Rebecca Love. In your own words, who is Rebecca Love? Who is Rebecca Love? Um... I think that that is a question that I don't know if I can answer right now. I think I'm an evolving human like the rest of us. Um, I would say that I am a friend. I am a daughter. Uh, I am a partner. Uh, I'm a dog mom. Mm, Um, I'm a lover of the ocean. I um, love to learn. So I think a constant student. Um, And I think I'm someone, I try to be someone that's reflective and and non-judgmental and open to all of the experiences that life has to offer, the good, the bad, and in between. Um, So... Yeah. Question that comes to mind is, is this non-judgmental openness to life a practice, Rebecca, or a realization Mm -hmm. in time? I think it's both. Um, I think that it is certainly something that I practice and have to remind myself of, um, probably daily. Um, 
And I think that in terms of it being a little bit of a realization, I don't know if I can like mark a, a specific time when I decided that I'm not going to be judgmental and I'm going to be open. But I think um, just as, you know, I, like I, I often say I'm human. I don't, I don't know if I would say that I'm a healer. I think I, I provide containers for people to heal themselves. But um, I think that through my work and just, um, again, being a human, realizing that um, judgments often get in the way of expanding and growth. Um, so I really, I do have to remind myself of that pretty, pretty often. I think, like I said, daily, just be open and don't judge. <laughs> Another question I have for you, the open questions is about change. Question has to be this one. Why do we resist so much to change? Mm. Well, I think that, you know, it's in our nature as humans to like to, like we were saying a little earlier, control and to expect and to have routine and to have consistency. So I can only speak for myself. Um, I think that change um, is probably one of the only things that is um, constant. And that's another thing that I have to remind myself of and not to fight change. Um, but I think it can be hard um, and I think it depends on what kind of change we're talking about, but I think it, um, it often requires us to shift, to adjust, um, and again, kind of expand and grow. And sometimes that can be hard. It can be painful. It can make you resist. Um, so yeah, I think speaking from my own experience, I think that, um, yeah, change can definitely be, be hard and, and difficult, but it often, uh, well, usually always leads to something else. So I think that goes back to, you know, constantly trying to remember to be open and receptive to whatever is coming and, and that can be in the form of change or whatever the case. But um, yeah, change is hard. I think, you know, humans, we like to know what, mm -hmm. what we're doing. So, yeah. you know, that certainly can throw a wrench in, in our uh, our ideals of what we think we should be doing or how we think something should be going. Um, yeah. So true. You mentioned the word control. Yes. It seems to me like that's the main issue. We are trying to control actually the external life itself, but in a way, the only control, if there is um, anything, when you want controlling something here, it would be our own emotions and our own feelings, mm -hmm. our thoughts, right, Rebecca? Not really the outside, but the inside. Right. Absolutely. Um, and I think that like a perfect example of like trying to control the outside is like the collective experience that we've all gone through with COVID, right? It's like we all, you know, one day we were all going to work and doing our thing. And then the next day it's kind of ripped from under us. And, you know, that false sense of control was really um, kind of shown to us. Like you think that, yeah. you know, you, you, yeah. you can expect certain things, but, um, you know, letting go of control, I think is also a practice. It's really difficult, but I think that it certainly has all, you know, taught us all, um, hopefully to maybe let go of that a little bit and to, to be again, more open with the uncertainty of life. You wrote something interesting. You said, I mean, that has to do with change. Exactly that. You said change is movement. And in order mm -hmm. to create change, there has to be both internal and external movement in the body. Mm -hmm. So that kind of, um, it's interesting to see that you have those two aspects, the internal and the external. And that's exactly what happened throughout the experience I had. By changing mm -hmm. the internal and then the external changed. Of course, the body was moving in time, in, in, in space here, doing different mm -hmm. things. So, yeah, would you like to make a comment on that, Rebecca? Yeah, I think that, um, yeah, so change internally, I think, um, really lends itself to help you change your perspective or where you are in life externally. And I think when I think about changing on the inside or, you know, changing from the inside, from within, that can mean a lot of different things. Um, I think it can mean, you know, a change in your perspective and in, in, on your emotions, a change 
um, of how you feel about yourself, a change of how you pay attention to yourself or um, the attunement that you have with your the vessel of your body. Um, and I think that when you are open again to that, when you're open to the changes that, um, you know, take a lot of work, um, from within that it, it certainly can shift your perspective on, on life and the external, whether that's relationships or, you know, job or money or, you know, happiness, whatever it is. Um, I think that the change certainly um, starts from within and then can lend itself to kind of seep into all the other aspects of your life. And this is um, the work I do in everything that I talk about and believe in, if it, it is a belief system, it has to do exactly with that, that work within, keep mm-hmm. doing the work, being open to life. And I notice around me, so many people around me, my family members and all, and how challenging it is for them to understand that, to even conceive that idea. Mm-hmm. They're still trying to change the outside. It doesn't matter what I say or the, what they have seen, the change mm-hmm. in my life. They keep doing the same thing, going in circles. So mm-hmm. I guess my question to you is, how do you try to help your family members <laughs> who are mm-hmm. not asking for help <laughs> in, yeah. that, in that department? Um, <laughs> I think that there are certainly times when, um, and thinking of the first relationship that comes up for me when you ask me that is a relationship with my mother, um, who I love so much. And I think also the mother daughter relationship is probably one of the most complex relationships on earth. Um, and I think that that also ties in with like letting go and changing from within, um, and letting go of the idea that, you know, I want her to change or why doesn't she do this or why can't she be like this? And, you know, coming to places of acceptance with, um, who she is and, and that I think opens up space to love her in different ways. Um, and in terms of, do I try to help her change? I think that I try to find a balance between, like I said, acceptance, encouragement, reflection and insight and also knowing that um, she is a human and imperfect like the rest of us and that she's doing her best and I can you know share my thoughts and you know as much as I feel um, I can without you know getting in in the way of her own journey and you know projecting my own stuff onto her um so do I help do I try to help my family members change like I think um in in gentle ways perhaps but I think also you know acceptance is is huge and I think when you accept that you you kind of again let go of the 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 desire or the need to want to change anyone else Mm. yeah so it's the uh the acceptance piece that's another yeah powerful tool I remember using that too Rebecca yeah (laughs) on my journey a healing Mm -hmm. journey that was the the first piece actually acceptance Mm -hmm. and also knowing that like we don't really necessarily have the power to change anybody right we don't have that within our control um and it all comes back to like our own inner journey with with changing (laughs) ourselves accepting (laughs) ourselves first but um yeah so that's so empowering to I mean, to realize that, not just to hear, because it feels empowering to hear you saying that too. But mm-hmm. it is the truth, isn't it? Coming from that perspective, is mm-hmm. uh, that we have, it doesn't matter what it is, it's about us changing ourselves. So mm-hmm. it's not all, of course, if somebody is hurting somebody else on the street, we see something happening that's unjust, then we can just call the police, mm-hmm. right? So we can do right. something in that sense when it comes to justice. But yeah, most of the work of change, it is within ourselves. Um, right. It's so wonderful to hear. It's refreshing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so another open question is about the purpose of the human experience. What do you feel that is? The purpose of the human experience? Um, I want to say love. Um, I think I, I ask myself this a lot because I can be quite introspective and a little existential at times. Um, but I think that one of the only things that actually makes sense to me when I think about like, what is the reason that I'm here is, is love. I don't really know what else there, there would be. I mean, I think that that can, you know, learning and, 
and all of those things. But I think just to love, because our capacity to love is infinite. That's something that my mom has told me. Um, but yeah, I think that that's, that's the point. That's like the most beautiful thing that you, that we have, I think is love. So I often ask the question, the follow-up question about your idea of love. How do you define love? Oh, how do I define love? Um, how do I define love? I feel like I define love by it's like an innate knowing, an innate feeling that you have around either a person or, or something that you love. Um, really like noting how you feel when you're in, in that person's presence or when you're not. Um, and I guess in terms of like relational, um, you know, thinking about what, what you get from that relationship and, and again, like how it makes you feel and, um, you know, what, um, I want to say like what, how it's affected you as a human, that relationship. Um, so I don't know if I had a concrete answer for that. I, that's a, that's a big question. How do you define love? I do a lot of, I have done a lot of studies in spirituality, all those teachings. And then I keep trying to bring them into my reality, day-to-day -day life and apply them. And one of those teachings, spiritual teachings, the one that has been the most challenging one is attachment, the non-attachment actually to anything. It's not detached, but the more we create that space between us and others, mm -hmm. the more we love them in a profound, true way, because it's impersonal, which means mm -hmm. it's from the impersonal love, we get closer to the idea of perfection in a sense of mm. non-judgmental, and then doesn't matter what people do. Um, mm -hmm. We just kind of create space for them, let them be, and accept them one way mm -hmm. or another. So I would love to hear a little bit more from you on that perspective. I've been contemplating, reflecting on this topic these days. Mm -hmm. On attachment? Yeah, kind of love yeah. and attachment, right, right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that something that you said, I can't, recall it just now but I think that yeah the idea of just acceptance and um loving people for where they are and I think that like also ties into like our desire to change people sometimes and I think if you can let that go and meet them exactly where they are and see them for who they are and how they can you know what they bring into your life without the expectations and I think that that sometimes is really difficult and not that you shouldn't have expectations of people that you love. Um, but I think also, yeah, detaching from that idea um, can help you keep, I think, keep a perspective that allows you to um, grow individually instead of relying on. And I think that that's also something that happens with like attachment, right? Like you're attached. So you have these expectations or rely on people in certain ways. And not that that is a bad thing, but I think finding that balance. And I think that that's also lifelong work. I'm actually like kind of realizing that now that I'm in my mid thirties, just how relationships change so much. Like examples are a lot of my friends are having babies right now. And it's so beautiful and it's so exciting. And it's also not where I'm at. So I think that that has been such a shift for me and like finding, finding new ways of maintaining our relationship without attaching to our old relationship. And of course, that like that's part of what keeps us close and keeps us together. But I think also meeting them where they are in this like new phase of life and also vice versa, them meeting me in the space of life that I'm in that they aren't in, um, you know, and kind of, I think, giving each other the space to, to grow and to be who you are in the present. Um, and I think that that is definitely something that I'm, I'm, I'm facing a lot recently. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, yeah. the, and mm. having to constantly like remind myself that again, like change is hard. Um, it's also a good thing. So, um, I don't know if that answers the question. It does. Yeah. And I um, love the way you communicate that message about allowing others to grow 
in any direction that they are inclined to grow anyway. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes Mm -hmm. we try to direct, it's almost like trying to direct a flower or plant (laughs) to grow in a certain direction. It won't happen. (laughs) It will not be easy for any of us. So how amazing to hear those truths. And I see that so many of us humans struggle with relationships. Um, That's such Mm -hmm. an interesting kind of experienced to have is the most one of the most fulfilling ones I would say from the separated point of view as mm-hmm. human beings and um and at the same time it's the most fulfilling one and at the same time there's another kind of not even experience a realization that almost completes everything you don't need the relationship with anything in a sense because you already have within yourself and the more we mm-hmm. connect with that the more we connect with the outside in a more peaceful way. It goes back to the same message by Rebecca, mm-hmm. the inner mm-hmm. work. Yeah, yeah. And I think um, that like, and not to be completely detached from like needing or wanting to have these relationships, because I also think that like as humans, like we're literally wired to be in relationship. But I think also like finding that that relationship with yourself often makes relationships with others much easier or I don't know, more, I don't know what the word is, but I think that it's super important to have that relationship with yourself first. So you are able to, you know, have wonderful connections with others at the same time. And um, I see that I did the reverse. I was trying to build relationships, romantic ones, especially friendships too, at a young uh, age without that connection within. And uh, Mm -hmm. it never worked. None of those relationships worked. Um, so another, oh gosh, I have too many open questions for you. Well, let me ask you this one about spirituality. Do you have any spiritual views or ideas, belief systems? I would say that I am a spiritual person. I wouldn't characterize it as religious, but, um, I do believe in, um, a higher power of some kind. I often label it the universe, (laughs) like the universe um, and I think that that encompasses um, ancestors for me um, and whatever else there is out there. But um, I do, I actually, my back, I'm talking about my mom a lot. She's going to be really happy yeah, when she hears this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> my mom actually um, studied um, a sect of Japanese Buddhism growing up, which was really a lot about, the, it talked about the law of attraction it talked about um, karma and really just about being the best kind of uh, most authentic version of yourself. And what was what, it, the um, like, there's like a Buddha in all of us, right? Like this um, like kind of perfect for lack of a better word, like perfect being. And we all have that. Um, so really trying to see, I think the best in others and knowing that, you know, even when the best face isn't shown, that there still is a lesson there. So really, I think a lot of my kind of um, spiritual guidance, I would say, probably was framed from that perspective. Um, and I don't I don't practice it per se, but I think a lot of the teachings and, and the thought processes around, you know, you, you know, um, you get what you put out and um, and vice versa is something that has kind of I would say, like I said, guided me um, in certain ways, for sure. Um, But yeah, yeah. I love everything about anything that has to do with growing, with deeper understandings of ourselves in life, anything, Mm -hmm. science, Mm -hmm. anything that comes from science, from, um, Mm -hmm. I call it healing wisdom or spirituality, Mm -hmm. anything. I'm just open Mm -hmm. to it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think it's also about, um, I try and of, of course this is all, you know, I'm, I'm learning as I'm going, but like looking for the lesson in things, even when things are really hard, um, like what is it trying to teach me? Like what, what can I take from this experience that can help me as I move forward in life? Um, so I think I, I do try to look for the lesson and not, and not necessarily the silver lining because sometimes things are just bad or they just hurt (laughs) and, um, you know, but it's like, okay, so what, what is this trying to tell me? Like, what am I, what am I learning from this? Um, yeah. yeah. 
That's yeah. a beautiful perspective in life to have. They usually call people like with this kind of mind uh, resilient, resilient, so having a resilient mind, mm-hmm. which is to me, as you just said about, you know, sometimes situations are just bad mm-hmm. <laughs> and we have to, in a way, just go through it. And mm-hmm. for me it has been trust. I don't know where what I'm trusting. I usually say life itself just mm-hmm. doing what it does as it unfolds. I just let it kind of run through me, whatever it is. And I trust that. Mm-hmm. And even mm-hmm. if I get mad or whatever it is, I just accept all the feelings. I noticed that that's why so many of us try to escape or numb our pain and our emotions because it's mm-hmm. not an easy work to do. And with that in mind, uh, my last open question is about the obstacles to healing. What gets in the way of healing from your perspective, Rebecca, as a professional, as a therapist? Hmm. What gets in the way of healing? I think it's just hard. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. In its most simplest terms, I think think healing is hard because it causes us to Mm. To dive into things that are mm. painful, yeah, um, and yeah. you know we, you know we can tend to you know lean away from the things that are hard or dark or sad or traumatic, and I think that in when you're on a healing journey, for lack of a better term, um, really leaning into those things that are hard or dark, dark or traumatic or painful, that's where you grow. That's where. Um, I think that that's like the key to it is being able to go back to those places that we try to avoid. So I think that it's, it's hard because it hurts. (laughs) Um, I think it's hard because it hurts. And, um, you know, one of the things that I, I, um, kind of think about often in my practice, um, as a therapist is slow, 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 slow. I think that there's, um, you know, this idea that, you know, it all happens magically and it's all going to come together. And I went to therapy for a month or a year and it was, you know, it's a, it's a lifelong journey, I think, to kind of go through the layers that make us human because we're so complex and we have so many different experiences and internalized messages that kind of guide us in our behavior or relationships or whatever the case is. So just remembering that it is a Slow, slow, slow process. I love that. It made me slow down for a second here. The mind. Yeah. Yeah. And isn't it interesting because healing and slowing down, as you say it, it, I mean, they go together. It's all about relaxation and really Mm -hmm. processing Mm -hmm. as slow Mm -hmm. as you can. I, I agree. Right. Right. When you think about like a broken bone, for example, right, like that takes... I've never broken anything, knock on wood, but I imagine that that takes like a few months, right? You have to have the cast and you have to go back for follow-ups and maybe you need a different kind of cast and you have to set the bone, like all of these things, like that is something tangible that you're like, okay, it's going to take me six months to get my leg back up and running. Let's say you broke your leg or whatever. But I think we don't give ourselves the same grace when it comes to healing emotional wounds for some reason. So so I think that that's like a good way of framing it. It's like, think about like actual wounds that we have and like the time it takes to heal. Um, And if we can apply that to our emotional selves, then, you know, the pressure is off and we just allow ourselves just to go through it. So you are a creative arts therapist specializing in body-based therapy. Talk to me mm-hmm. about the main inspiration and also the intention of doing what you do. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that it kind of goes back to, you know, I grew up as a dancer. Um, and I think when you asked, who am I? I didn't add that. I don't know why. Um, I guess maybe a mover, but point is, so I grew up dancing and, um, it was really just like my happy place. It was a place that I was able to express myself. It was an escape. Um, and it really like formed a lot of my kind of like morals and, you know, values as a human and, and hard work and showing up and dedication and all of these things. Um, and I, I think it really helped me heal from some of my own trauma from growing up. And I didn't really know that that's what was happening as I was going through it. So I, I, when I got to school and I'm thinking, okay, what do I want to study? What do I want to do? What do I enjoy? 
okay, dance. And then like, how can I use this to help people? Like, I don't want to be a dance teacher. I don't want to be a choreographer. Um, and then I stumbled across the creative arts therapies and I couldn't, I honestly think that I was researching jobs that have to do with dance that won't cause me to be a starving, struggling artist. And I found dance therapy and it just made sense to me. And it really is about integrating um, psychology and, and healing with the body. And it just, as soon as I kind of like read the description, I was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. This is exactly what I want to do. Yeah. So that was my inspiration. I think was my, my own, my own journey of using dance and movement to help and heal some of my own trauma. So that was certainly an inspiration. And I think the intention is really to provide a space for for people to connect with themselves and to, again, kind of like what we were talking about, going back to cultivating a relationship with yourself and like your internal world. And I think that that is certainly possible when you're, you're doing traditional verbal therapy, which I do do. And I add the added aspect of using your body. And like I said, your internal kind of systems that are happening, our nervous system, our sensations, and it gives you kind of a, a more full, deeper understanding of yourself. So I think my intention is to help people connect with themselves. And by doing that, you're able to connect with others. The other question, technical questions about, are you taking new clients at this time? And how do you meet them? Would be online, yeah. offline? Yeah. So I am taking new clients for the fall. Um, and I use a various, like various platforms such as psychology today, um, therapy tribe, uh, therapy for black girls. Um, so different, um, online platforms that I can, um, connect with clients. Um, I work specifically in, in New York in New York, um, the state of New York. Um, yeah, so I've been, and also thankfully I've had some clients, um, recommended or referred by, um, colleagues and, and things like that. So another question is that dance movement therapy, is it for everyone? Do mm -hmm. we have to be a dancer? Oh, no, you do not have to be a dancer to be in dance movement therapy. Um, and I think that there's a little bit of a misconception, which is totally understandable when because the word dance yeah, is involved. Right. right? So yeah. we think of choreography, we think yeah. of teaching, we think of <laughs> yeah. performing. And it's really about finding your own like authentic movement rhythm in your body and that can be stretching that can be like there's lots of different ways to move and to dance but in the traditional sense of the word no you it, it isn't necessarily you know kind of what we think of when we think of stereotypical dance but to answer your question no you don't have to be a dancer you don't have to have any dance training you just have to be interested in yourself Honestly, that's that's what I often say. It doesn't require any uh, training of any kind. It just requires you to be open and interested in, in yourself. What another beautiful message <laughs> for all of us to be reminded of even. What's not to love about all this? <laughs> uh, so and the other question is for those who are interested, they are contemplating the idea, what should they expect like for mm -hmm. the first session? What would that look like if you could describe that experience? Sure. And I think um, that would certainly look different based on, on the client, on the person, on the goals, on what they're coming into therapy with. Um, and I think I said this earlier, um, but it's really, for me, my perspective, and I know a lot of other dance movement therapist perspectives and just therapists, is meeting the client where they are. So um, I often invite movement, and that could be us doing a body scan together. It could be us stretching together. It could be um, open improvisational movement. And, um, you know, so how, so my sessions are structured differently based on the person, but I can give you just an idea. So it could be, let's start with um, doing a little bit of a check-in with your body. Let's take some time to transition from what we were doing before to the session And let's see where what's happening internally for you today. So um, guiding through a little bit of a body scan and then we would we would talk about that. Um, and then the client might open up about, you know, something that's been on their mind. So 
whatever that may mean. That could be something from five years ago. It could be something that happened five minutes ago. So maybe talking about um, something and, you know, a lot of uh, the attention would be on, okay, so did that show up in your body anywhere? A lot of people, a lot of humans, myself included, experience anxiety. So maybe we could talk about how you know you're anxious. Like how does your body give you signals that you know that you're anxious? And this is a lot, I think a lot of people would automatically go to, oh, well, I had the thoughts of the anxious thoughts. Did you do? And it's like, well, yes. And like, where do you feel that in your body? So helping people again, slow down and tune in to what is happening on the inside and not just what's happening cognitively but what's happening physically for you as well. Um, So I think that there's a lot of guidance towards your body. And this is also, this is just a suggestion. This is an invitation. I have some clients that I do just traditional verbal psychotherapy with. Um, So it really depends on where you are and what you're interested in. Um, And I'll be with you right there so yeah yeah. so Mm -hmm. I love that too you were also of course doing exactly acting on what you say what the message that you put out there what your work is all about do you follow in the movement of life of your clients so it's Mm -hmm. that being open to whatever direction uh, Mm -hmm. the client leans toward that's really beautiful too that's how I see healers. Um, they just, it's not about healing. Healers don't heal other people. They just show them how to heal mm-hmm. themselves. Exactly. It's just, I'm just there with you as, like I said, like a container. And it really is, it's a co, it's a like co-regulating. It's a relationship between the two of us, right? So I'm not doing all the work. You're not doing all the work. We're both doing the work together, right? Um, so yeah, meeting meeting each other where, where they are, meeting your clients where they are. There's something else that I mentioned off record about the reflective meditation. I would love to hear a bit more about that, oh. Rebecca. Yeah, so um, I had the opportunity to um, work with the MoMA in New York City, which was like so huge and like humbling. <laughs> I was yeah. like, you want yeah. me to do something <laughs> for the MoMA? Like what? Um, <laughs> but it was um, really, yeah, a lovely opportunity <laughs> to um, integrate art, which is, you know, the creative arts therapies. Um, it's not just dance and movement. It's art, like visual art, um, drama therapy, music therapy. So there's all the different um, therapies um, in their own um, modality under the umbrella of the creative arts. So I'm definitely not an art therapist, but I did have some um, art therapy um, integrated into my, my graduate program. So it was really nice to be able to um, use the two modalities together. So really looking at this piece, which was by, um, I want to say it was a Chilean artist, um, Zilia Sanchez, I believe. Um, and it was this image, which was, it spoke to me immediately. It was an image of like a head, neck, shoulders. So it really just kind of inspired me to kind of guide people, um, to look into their own head, neck, and shoulders when they looked at this piece and to see kind of what was coming up for them. So yeah, it was really just like a fun way of using two different mediums, which I think um, can sometimes feel a little, you know, separate. It's like, oh, how would you integrate movement or body into a piece of art? Um, So I was really excited to have the opportunity to um, to kind of just use my own perspective and, and kind of what was coming up for me when I, when I saw the piece. So, yeah, yeah. it's like expansion. That's what comes to me in the word, expanding on your own knowledge, kind of expanding that knowledge, the healing knowledge, therapeutic knowledge you already have emerging with art. It's just beautiful. And I love what you wrote there. You say there are limitless paths to explore and so much knowledge within each one of us when we take care to pay attention and allow ourselves to feel. That caught my attention. So it goes back to allowing ourselves to just let the energies of thoughts, emotions, feelings to dance. <laughs> I have to go back to that word, <laughs> to move. Ah, and the opposite of that is what we, well, what we know. I mean, I have experienced uh, it's feeling stuck. That's when I know I'm not letting the feelings and emotions move. Would you like to 
add anything to that, Rebecca? Um, Yeah, no, I think that that was really beautifully said that, you know, often I think that that's also something that we all experience as humans is that, that stuckness. Um, And yeah, I think also it's really difficult to, like we were saying earlier, to give ourselves the space just to slow down and really to tune in with what is happening. And it's like, okay, why, why am I feeling stuck? Like what is actually going on? And I think again, like oftentimes we're just, we rely so much on the cognitive and we don't really pay attention to everything below our neck. It's like our whole body is, is experiencing our, 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 you know, our life experience together. Like our whole vessel is in this, you know, it's, it's one thing. So um, I think really it, it, it's important and it's hard, um, to, to look inward in different ways, but, um, I think our body holds so much information and it, and our, our emotions are held in our body and our nervous system. And, um, it, it can really have a lot to share with us if, if we allow ourselves to go there. And I think that that is also a challenge. It's scary. Like, I think that I often take for granted the fact that as a mover, as a dancer, it's always been relatively easy for me to shift and come into my body, to drop down into my body and recognizing that a lot of people don't have that experience. Like, and I think that that it doesn't just show up in dance. I think athletes have a relationship with their body. That's also a question I often ask, like, what's your relationship to your body? And some people are like, oh, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Um, (laughs) and yeah, and and there's no shame or anything wrong with that. I think that that's like a societal thing. Like we're, like I said, that we're all, everything is very cognitive and, you know, our feelings are, are much more than that. Um, and they live in our, in our being. So, um, yeah. Again, what is not to love about this conversation about <laughs> that leads us to exploration, right? Of these things. Right. Then you, you made me think about body shame because that's another reality for so many of us, especially women, men too, yeah. of course. But. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I think that that is something that I think that any, well, I think a lot of people struggle with that. And that it's the internal messages that we get from anybody, friends, family, but society as a whole. So I think that, you know, there's, we're almost taught to dislike our bodies because we want it to look like, you know, this prototype of whatever, you know, society thinks is beautiful. And, and that's just not the reality for literally most people on the planet, right? You know, we're not all tall, thin, whatever. Um, so I think that a lot of the work with dance movement therapy is coming back to your body and starting to have a more positive, loving, um, patient, uh, kind, compassionate relationship with it. And I think that it takes years, you know, years of unlearning these messages that we've been told and that we internalize and starting to come back to our bodies and, and love them. And I was actually working with a client the other day who, um, struggles with, with body image. And I, I said to them, I said, I want you to talk to you the next time you're having these, I call them like spiral thoughts. And you're, you know, talking when you're talking negatively to yourself, I want you to talk to yourself like you would talk to your partner, like someone that you love. And, sh- and they were like, Oh, okay. I never even thought of that because we attach on to the negative so easily. And if it's something that we're so used to, it takes time, like I said, to kind of rewire and relearn how to have a relationship with your body. So it's, it's a lot of work. All of this is much easier said than done. Right. Um, yeah. It sounds simple, but it's not easy. Right, no, it's I not. And yeah. well, that's another conversation, another amazing topic that I love discussing here. It's body image, body shame. Mm-hmm and what to do, kind of um, diving deeper into it. But that will mm-hmm. be another conversation. We're almost at the end, but I do have another question for you that just came to me. Do you feel like all feelings and emotions are call for change? Mm. Are all feelings and emotions a call to change? I mean, I think that, like, certainly sometimes, I think that... Um, you know, I often say like, just not all thoughts and all feelings, just because we think or feel them are true. So I think that, um, sitting with them 
and acknowledging them without trying to change them can often give us a lot of information. And I think it just depends on what it is. But um, I think that, yeah, that certainly can be true that some thoughts and some feelings are a call to change. And I also think that, um, again, sitting with and really listening to whatever it is that's coming up, um, because thoughts and feelings change. And I, and I, I know I just said this, but it is something that I think about and often tell my clients is just because we think or feel something doesn't make it always true immediately. Right. So I think that, um, giving ourselves the time and space to process whatever is coming up is super important. And then you can make a decision about what you want to do or need to do or need to change or whatever mm. the case is after right. you've given yourself that time. Uh, I don't know yeah. if that answers. It does. Yeah, absolutely yeah. does. And I noticed that too, that I only sit with emotions in this fashion of going deeper into it, listening to them when they are persistent. It's mm-hmm. just like keeps coming right. back. And I'm like, why is right. it back again? <laughs> Visiting right. and again. And that's certainly yeah. information. Absolutely. Yeah. If it keeps coming up, then you have to listen. You have no, no choice almost for sure. That's what almost like naturally I go mm-hmm. into it. I think it also has to do with my the way I have been brought up with a lot of trauma and abuse. Mm-hmm. That kind of almost forced the brain or something in me to just move, mm-hmm. make those mm-hmm. movements into calmness being calm and quiet or Mm -hmm. doing something about it that would benefit myself and others in the environment. So Mm -hmm. I guess that's interesting to see how everything's connected in a way. Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I wanted to mention also the, um, you have uh, made a contribution to the uh, rewiretherapy.net. And there's a program there that's titled Therapeutic Movement and Dance Therapy for Trauma. Mm-hmm. This is the only one I found. I'm not sure if I... Did I look close enough, Rebecca? Have you contributed to any other programs? No, yeah, so Rewire Therapy is really like a lovely platform. Um, the the person who founded it is um, a psychiatric nurse practitioner. And she asked me very nicely to, to contribute something to her program, which essentially uses different healing modalities, different perspectives, um, and different ways of holistically addressing trauma. So I did my portion, obviously, on dance movement therapy and and body-based somatic ways of um, releasing trauma. So um, it was it's actually a really lovely program, and it can definitely, um, I think, is a wonderful supplement to anybody in therapy or anyone that um, is just curious about therapy. I think it's a really nice place to start. Um, and, you know, I was able to share a few different movement interventions, that examples of things that people could try on their own or therapists could try with their clients in session. Um, and yeah, different movement interventions that address different, um, different, um, different things. So one, being trauma or for sexual abuse, healing, for anxiety, for stress. So for different areas of your life that um, you might be challenged or struggling with, um, I was able to provide different ways of integrating movement into any, you know, individual or um, therapeutic um, practice. Wow, that's so wonderful to see so many of us doing this work of sharing mm-hmm. information, programs, teachings, yeah. uh, serving this field of healing. It's just mm-hmm. such a wonderful thing to see. Yeah. I have to say it again. Yeah. Thank Absolutely. you, Rebecca. Yeah. So before we say goodbye, I do have a few more questions for you, the ending questions. Um, would you like to add anything else about what you do and how you do it before I ask you those final ending questions? Um, yeah, I mean, I think that you know, just a little background about um, dance movement therapy. I think that it's such a wonderful field for anyone that might be interested in using, and not just dance movement therapy, I have to plug the creative arts therapies as a whole. So anyone that's interested in using any of the creative modalities and interested in, um, you know, psychology, it's such a lovely um, field. And it's, it's really, I think, gaining a lot of momentum in the last few years. Um, and you know, it, it, it's just a, it's a lovely, lovely supportive, um, you know, um, integrative way of using healing. So just if anyone's interested or, you know, I think a lot of dancers, 
actors or even like musicians like myself, like looking for ways of doing what you love um, and actually like building like a solid career. Um, so, yeah. But um, yeah, I think that I've been super lucky in my um, in my path to dance therapy and, and having some really wonderful professors and, and colleagues. And I, um, I worked in memory care actually for the first portion of my career for about five years, which was, you know, really taught me patience in a way that I didn't think that, um, was possible. Um, so that was really beautiful. And then I kind of transitioned into, um, private practice and, and clinic work, um, more on the individual, basis and then kind of transitioned to my own practice as, um, you know, a result of, of 2020 really, to be honest. Um, and not that I needed any more reason to kind of feel like the field needed more representation, but it was so in, you know, in my face in a way that I couldn't really ignore it. And, um, I just feel really lucky that I've been able to provide the space for black and brown, um, clients, um, and, you know, and just provide the space that we all so much deserve. Mm. Um, So, yeah. It's beautiful, though, even to listen to you (laughs) talking about (laughs) how you're finding ways to help others to heal. It's uh, it's truly beautiful. Thank you so much, Rebecca, for being you. Thank you. Thank you. And my ending questions, I'll ask you this one. What is another word for healing? What comes to mind? Another word for healing? I want to say expansion. Yeah, I know we've we've said that a couple times uh, in the last hour, but I, I want to say expansion, making space. And my last question is: What three experiences you wish everyone to have before they lose the body, before they die? Ooh, three experiences: um, to be in love, yeah. um, to. So cheesy, but dance, dance like no one's watching because it's literally the best feeling ever. I agree. Um, I and agree. to uh, do your own inner work. Mm. Yeah, that's a big yeah. one. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much yeah. again. Yeah. Thank you so much for having yeah. me. This is lovely. Yeah. I love your presence. I love everything about you, everything Thank about you. what you do. It's just that that contribution to love again, to mm-hmm. passing that on to others as a legacy. Thank you, Rebecca. Uh, thank you so much. And my last uh, technical question is, where can we find more information about you, your work, products, services, and future projects? Yes. Um, you can go to my website, Holistically Whole Creative Arts Psychotherapy, and that's where you can find me. And I'll have that again. I'll have that on the, your podcast profile page. Thank you so Thank much you. again, and we'll talk soon. Bye for now, Rebecca. Thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Rebecca Love and her work, please visit holistically whole creative arts psychotherapy.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.